AWI Daily Edition. We are Thursday, heading into the weekend today. I'm your host, Thomas Frank Carr, Nate Bauer with me. We are discussing Penn State Villanova, which means we're not really going to discuss the game necessarily. We're going to discuss everything around the game because that might be the most interesting part of a week like this one. And we were at practice yesterday. So, Nate, I just want to start with your, as always, your initial thoughts of the sights and sounds uh, post-practice and what James Franklin had to say. What was your takeaway from yesterday's practice availability? We're, we're not going to start with our tailgate plans for Saturday. <laughs> what, it's a noon game, dude. <laughs> yeah, yeah. No, that means, you, that means you have to have breakfast and lunch at the tailgate. Like, that's the yeah. rule for the noon game. So, um, Eggs and Bloody no, Marys, I, right? Eggs and Bloody Marys, and then a, and then a burger before you go in um, yeah. to watch warm-ups an hour early. But that's another story. Um no, yes, yesterday's practice was was kind of what you would expect. I, I don't know that. Um, I, I think what I was looking for and is probably imperceptible is maintaining intensity, right? Uh-huh. Like whether whether or not these guys are carrying themselves the exact same way that they were going into Auburn or going into Wisconsin. Right. Like, are are you able to keep it up like that? It, people, James Franklin did not like, obviously, the trap game conversation for Ball State, but there is human nature in all of this. And yeah. so it's staying up from week to week is a challenge, even when it's this early in the season. So, um, you know, I, I put it this way. Uh, did, I, did I think that they were like jacked out of their minds and had this crazy level of intensity at a Wednesday practice uh, before Villanova? No. But did I notice a perceptible drop-off? No. It, it yeah. was pretty much business as usual. And they are a pretty much business as usual sort of team, which I think for a lot of fans can be a little bit frustrating because in bigger games, they they, they act the same way and they can come out sometimes yep. maybe a little flat because they don't have that sort of extra intensity for those bigger games. That's been a really interesting narrative to watch play out over James Franklin's career at Penn State. I think, for the most part, you have to say that with the success that they've had, at least playing in big games, whether or not they they won those games, they were in all of them, and they were able to perform in those situations. So, you know, it, it's it's there's always bits and pieces of all of that, but reasonably this Villanova game even if they come out a little bit flat that shouldn't be a huge problem they are a good team this is an FCS team yep. but they're a good team I, I was watching some film I think their defensive line is pretty good you know there's some guys that you know have good quickness and, and hand usage um, so it's going to be at least partially in that sense a test what is your sense of how um, the team is approaching it not necessarily from the intensity factor but you know from the factor of it is finally a non-conference game, like in a true yeah. non-conference game. What yeah. is your sense of how they're going to approach this particular, uh, this particular no, I mean, game? I think that your question uh, Wednesday night about to James Franklin about, you know, how this year's non-conference schedule has impacted their ability to get depth involved, right? I, I mean, I'm paraphrasing from you, but that was essentially the gist was how, how has the fact that you played at Wisconsin, a ball state team that is, you know, basically picked to win the Mac yeah. and Auburn, who is a traditional SEC, um, you know, maybe not a power, but traditionally a pretty good SEC team. Like how has that impacted your ability to get, uh, this is a horrible word, like the scrubs. I mean, right? Like you, you want right. to get your backups. They're not scrubs. They're, it's they're the future. Co- they're the future. Correct, correct. In college football, in college football, it's not. Uh, these are the the dregs of what you picked up in free agency. It's no. These are the young guys who have not had an opportunity to play yet, and getting them involved and in, and in getting them these experiences is vital because you don't know and really have no idea what to expect the rest of the season when you're going to play a big 10 schedule that, I mean, looking at the big 10 schedule now, where is, where is the, the obvious slam dunk? Right. Right. Like, right. uh, You know, and, and yeah, you can still point to Illinois as having some problems and Rutgers and, you know, this is a Maryland team that came in to Beaver stadium last year and, and whooped them. 
So yeah. like the, the traditionally weaker teams that are still on the schedule, Michigan state just went to Miami and clocked them. Yeah. So, yeah. Right. So like, where are those opportunities to build your depth, to, to build a lead and, and, you know, kind of develop the program in that sense? You know, I don't know. Like they, they might not be there. Uh, is what I'm saying. You're going to have a lot of competitive games the rest of the way. And so that means that this game in particular is vitally important to, to be able to to not only get a win, but get a win in you know convincing fashion so that you're able to play some of those backups. I, I'd go a step further. And this is kind of what I was thinking about before I asked James yesterday, what what's what is that rotational process been like through these first three non-conference games? We haven't seen guys like Kalen King. He's going to come up later in the show. He has 66 yep. snaps so far this season. And only two of those situations, you know, maybe six or seven here and seven or eight there, were in actual game situations. And I go back to the example of Joey Porter Jr. and Keaton Ellis at corner two years ago played in very real situations throughout the season. And if Kalen King is a, a better freshman than they are because of what James Franklin said, why wouldn't he be getting more snaps? Because they didn't have the non-conference season to work them into the rotation and feel confident. And the same thing yep. we talked about earlier this week. So I think you're going to see much more. It's not going to be put the starters in, get 40 points, and then put the backups in. I think they're going to put real game situations on some of these yep. young players and see how they perform because, as you pointed out, they have to. There's not really, yeah. you know, Rutgers has taken a step forward. Maryland has taken a step forward. You don't have these traditional, even Big Ten walkover games. Now, you yep. will in those situations in the Illinois game. I, I do expect to see more of that. But this is the first opportunity, really, to get them into the game outside of the ball state in the first half situation and find out some things, as James said, find out some things about guys and, and, and make some decisions going forward. I do think it does help one thing, and, and he talked about the red shirt uh, situation and guys playing more than one game. Do you think delaying that, not having those non-conference games play guys in three three straight games, saving them for later in the season, do you think that will help in the long term, or is that just kind of shuffling the, the, the deck of cards? Well, I think that there's question now as to whether they'll get four games in. For yeah. a lot of those guys. Yeah. Uh, like, are are you going to get four games of experience? You know, um, he's explained it previously as they try to find guys who they can get three games early and then save the bowl game. Uh, and then there's some other uh, situations that they have to um, – they like to save guys for the end of the season in the first place, right? So, like, just to get – if you're – if you're thin in an area and you think that a guy is going to develop through the course of the season to where, yeah, they're not ready in October or September, but they are going to be ready or closer to ready in November. And then, hey, on top of that, uh, there's a guy who's had a nagging hamstring or whatever, whatever the situation is where, okay, you get to November and that that starter is now unreliable or you're not, you're not able to really um, count on them being at full capability then mm -hmm. now you can now you have those games and you can use them without using uh you know without burning a red shirt so no it's it's lots of variables lots of variables yeah. uh to this season in a, in a variety of ways and and one of the things that i thought was interesting that he talked about on on wednesday night was they had and i think that this is the first time that he's really verbalized it but the program has effectively treated the NCAA bonus year yeah. as though it doesn't exist, right? So like right. everybody that was a freshman last year in Penn State football proper in their mind is a sophomore this year, right? right. Like nobody, nobody is a second year freshman who still has a red shirt. Right. That's not that's not their outlook. So for a lot of those guys who last year might not have played it, they're going to be used as many times as they want. Like it's not, it's not like they're going to say, Oh, well, we gotta, we gotta figure out who we want to use from that red shirt freshman class uh, to only use in four games so that we keep them an extra year. That's not happening. Yeah. Not at all. 
Yeah. Not at all. Uh, you were watching the quarterbacks yesterday, and well, you gave away you came away with some impressions from what we saw. What were what were your impressions of? Uh, I guess the top two: Taekwon Roberson and of course Sean Clifford. Yeah, it's just it's just none of this should come as a surprise, but Roberson is inconsistent. Yeah, and in comparison, Clifford is noticeably sharper. He's just it. it he just just looks good like it just looks the part um right and you 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 obviously have a much better eye for the technicalities of it but uh bottom line even i buffoon nate bauer can see you know this ball is sharp and it's on the money every time yeah. right like the, yeah. the ga holding his hands right here and the ball is right there like that's just that's just the way that rolls for Sean Clifford uh, yeah. on the move, moving left, moving right, what what have you. Um, and then the the second part of it that is to be expected is based on where Roberson is right now in his development and the potential necessity that Penn State has for him with Sean Clifford kind of being the last first and last line of defense. To, 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 you know, really a critical situation at quarterback. Yurzich rides him. Like, he, he, yours, Mike Yurzich is all over uh, that dude. Get, mm -hmm. You know, trying trying to get him to do the right things, uh, be in the right pl places. I, I don't think it's, like, out of a place of frustration. I don't want to frame this the wrong way. Yeah. It's just, hey, you know, th these are the things that you got to do. This is... Um, there's no allowance for a lowered expectation just because he's a, a third year player. Well, that's right? what it is to play quarterback. And, and it's it's I think if you're a Penn State fan, you should you should be excited to hear that because it sounds like Mike Yersich from the quarterback perspective is exacting. You need yep. to have a certain baseline of acceptable play on every sing in every single situation because if you don't, it all falls apart. It's it, like as much as that's what you sign up for. And that's what Sean Clifford has said since he was, uh, you know, in high school that he takes being the quarterback very seriously. And Mike Yersich seems to be the guy that is drawing the best out of him so far, drawing the more to give because truthfully, you know, just human nature is you can be as self-motivated as you want. And unless you're one of those really special sort of broken people, that just are never comfortable. You know what I mean? Like the, I think that yeah. to be truly great, you need to be a little bit broken. Uh, yeah. Unless you're that way, it's hard to be completely self-motivated. You need to have somebody outside of you who's both helping and guiding you and and giving you the the little nudge in the right direction when you need it. And and that you know, I think even people that are, have achieved greatness need that as well. It's just where do you find that? So th I think that's a good thing, and and that should make you then feel better about the long-term development of all the quarterbacks on the roster if that's what Mike Yersich is going to be as a coordinator. Um, what should fans be... I, I talked about this a little bit more, and I kind of gave my answer. What should... Um, what what has stood out to you so far this season from, from just a general perspective? Uh, for me, it was the lack of rotation and the lack of depth. What have you... What stood out to you so far about Penn State's game so far, the three games leading into this one? Yeah, no, I mean, I, I think it's, it's somewhat self-explanatory, um, but the lack of a running game, the lack of an established uh, running game, I think is something that has surprised me a little, even, even understanding that teams are going to make themselves vulnerable uh, to force Sean Clifford to beat them. You, you still kind of think that Penn State has enough horses to, to, you know, uh, just do a little bit better, I guess, in the running game. And I think that 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 has been reflected in some of the things that James Franklin has said, some of the things um, that even the running backs have said, you know, in terms of wanting to uh, to just produce there a, a little bit more on the ground. Um, and then past that, it's guys who you didn't necessarily like big names, right? Like the, I'm not talking about, oh, the, the second string guy who had to really make this huge ascent uh, into relevancy this year. It's 
what was Jesse Lucchetta going to do? Yeah. You didn't know, you, 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 right? Like you just didn't, uh, he, he didn't have a great year last year at being asked to do something different this year. Adisa Isaac goes out for the season. That's like, sometimes you just get into a situation where a guy who you think is going to be good and you think can be productive for you. You're just not sure. And Lucchetta was a, a guy in that realm. Brisker, Jaquan Brisker is a guy who, yeah, like he came on in the second half of last season, but I don't think, right? Like I think that if last year is the way that he wants it to go, he's probably not at Penn State right now. He's yeah. probably in the NFL. Yeah. So, so a, a disappointing year for him. Sean Clifford is the, is the most obvious, uh, you, you know, kind of choice there, but a guy who, hey, what if the blueprint is out on you? And teams know that you can be confused and flustered and frustrated easily and take every measure and every step that they can to continue to do that to you. How are you going to respond? And yeah. so far this season, he has, he has responded. And, and, you know, those are, those are kind of the things where, yeah, they're, they're players who we're going to make an impact on this team's success either way. But when you really break down why this team is where it is right now, even at 3-0, which is still obviously a very early part of the season, you can directly point to them as the drivers, yeah, as the your motivators. Best, your best you know? players are playing their best. And that is something that in order to have a good season and be 3-0 and through the meat grinder that they had so far to start the season – you need to have that happen and to have it happen out of the gate. No slow start for this team has been huge. And, and, and importantly to me is, uh, Wisconsin was good. Wisconsin yeah. didn't play a bad game, right? Like that's, yeah. that's kind of the, the, a lot of what we look at with these teams is based on reputation alone. And sure, what what the preseason prognostications are, because you haven't seen Wisconsin play, yeah, going into the year, so it's just the expectation. Oh, they're ranked thirteenth. Well, that's a really good team that Penn State has to play on the road. Yeah. That's that is the storyline going into that game. But also, you get to Camp Randall, and other than the mistakes, which hey, guess what? That's what this game comes down to. Wisconsin was a physical, tough football team yeah. that Penn State needed to play. A, Penn State couldn't just waltz through that game. Penn State had to respond in key moments. There were there were certain things that Penn State had to do to be able to win that game um, that demonstrated uh, a quality to this Penn State team that I'm not sure that that we really knew was there. And then they backed it up to me very much so against an Auburn team that I thought had some, some dudes like that. That yeah. was an Auburn team that is going to do fairly well this season. So yeah. to, to, to come out of those games with wins is not just impressive on the, Hey, you beat Auburn and you beat Wisconsin. It's Hey, you beat Auburn and you beat Wisconsin who are two teams that are probably both going to finish the season in the top 20, top 15 in the country. Yeah. And, and it is, I think a, a bonus, I know that it's it's hard going to get through those games, but now I'm not saying you can buy yourself a loss because obviously no one wants to lose at any point, but it's kind of the reverse of what happened in 2016 for Penn State is now they have two quality wins to start the season. If they yep. drop a game later on, they have an argument that says, look at our strength of schedule. They have, going into the season, they've had the toughest strength of schedule or one of like the top five in the nation. So who knows if that matters, you know, but they have produced, you know, the other thing is the metrics that, that I think the college football playoff look at in terms of, are you playing good beyond your win loss record and your, your point differential? Some of their metrics right now are really good through those two games so far. And one of them is Sean Clifford. And for what you're looking forward to for the rest of the season, I had somebody who said, you need to lay off Clifford. He's a leader. Yeah. He's proven it. He's like, he has done the things that you've asked him to do. Yes, he has. In one game. In in one 
game. And I don't want it to, I'm again, I'm not taking anything away from him. In my analysis of this, I said this can be the turning point for him. But do like is that what you're looking forward uh, looking for going forward? Yeah, no, I mean look, the the game plan might shift for certain defenses against him now that he has demonstrated that he can withstand some of the situations that they have tried to put him in. Mm-hmm. And so in in a sense, and it actually in a big sense, his job should get easier because of that. Right. Right. His his job should become less stressful based on passing these two tests that he's faced at the start of the season. Yeah. However, however, you you still get the sense of who this guy is internally and what he wants to be and those things are aggressive he wants to be an aggressive quarterback he yeah. wants to, to have the flair for the dramatic he like all of those things the, the interception he what, threw at the end of the first half of the auburn game i think is a perfect example of he had been so good he had been so good for three straight games and then he wanted to go for the jugular in that moment. And I don't think it's it's a smart time to be aggressive. I don't want to be critical yep. of that. But I think you're right of like the flair of the dramatic is we got the ball back and I don't want a field goal. And you're right. That's Correct. a great mentality to have as a quarterback. Correct. But he could taste it. He could yep. taste it. It was right there. And yep. like, you know, uh, Sometimes the cat gets in trouble when it when it you know when it goes uh, for for the the food that's laid out kind of as a trap and so that's look like he he is going to find himself in tough circumstances again this season that's mm-hmm. that, like he's we're not he's not out of the woods and so all of the ingredients and elements that he has shown to date sh- should absolutely be a feather in his cap and something that he wants to continue to build upon like that's if if, talking to him after uh the game on saturday it it has been the same line game after game after game which is just hey we're just kind of scratching the surface of what we can do we're just we're just we haven't even shown you right like and sometimes that can be a false bravado but i I don't think that it is in this case i don't think that it is in his mind he yeah. believes very firmly that they can do much, much, much more than what they've already shown, and they're determined to do that. So, but it's but it's going to demand him keeping that mentality, him keeping the mindset that he's had through these first three games is going to be critical to doing that. And you can sense that there are going to be situations out there that he faces the rest of the season where that temptation is going to be really, really hard for him to overcome. Right to, to not, and we're not ta- we're not talking about pressing, right? Like the nerves being so much that y- it just forces you into a shell. It's it's the opposite of pressing. It's getting to the blackjack table yeah. and saying, "Oh man, this is my hand. I'm doing it. Yeah, <laughs> let's go." Like yeah. that's that's his default. Is he wants to he wants to push them all in yeah. always. Uh, yeah. And so that's that's just that's just going to be a really important ingredient for him as the season goes along. And, and I, I think that it's important to, to when you said his job should get easier, uh, that you're right in the fact that you can't just play coverage against this offense. And that's what a couple of teams have tried to do is since the, the week one game where they hit a bunch of deep balls and Sean Clifford was dealing, you know, getting what he needed out of the deep passing game with Jahan Dotson and with Keandre Lambert-Smith, the next two teams have tried to play coverage against them. Very soft, cover four, cover three, everything underneath. And and Penn State has gone on 14 play drives, 10 play drives, nine play drives, doing the thing that we said it would be very hard for them to do, which is not make mistakes, be accurate with the football, convert third downs. They have proven that they can do that. And not every team does it every drive. Like, to expect that on every situation, that's not realistic. But they've done it to the point that you can't do that to them anymore. And then when you try to get a little bit closer to the receivers, you press a little more, that deep ball should open back up. And that's going to be the next test for me is when you say just scratching the surface, Mike Yersich is the same guy. He wants to throw that ball. He wants to get the kill shot. And they've had a couple of them this year. 
unlocking that, that's going to be the next step for this offense because, yeah, then as if the ground game does get going a little bit longer, that you're going to have a very complete and, and really dangerous offense, especially with some of the guys they have in the backfield. We'll get into that in a little bit later. Uh, I do want to go into some questions we got in our mailbag today. I, I put this out on Twitter, at Thomas Frank Carr. Um, we have a, a mailbag I'm going to start doing up here and there on Thursdays, um, especially when there are uh, interesting topics to talk about. And this first There's one... There's always interesting topics. Well, I'm trying to say in a nice way, maybe before the Illinois or Rutgers game, we might do some more mailbag questions mm. than we would, uh, you know, before the Ohio State game. Trying to dance around... Sure. Uh, the, you know, I don't have to have a one to know mentality. I can look ahead as much as I want. Um, you do what you want to do, buddy. Yeah. I was, uh, I was on a show one time I was on a previous, uh, show and I, I said something like that. And, and the, the other person said, well, this team looks at it one to know each week. I'm like, I don't have to, I, I I'm not yeah. bound by those rules. Uh, Kaylin you're not Kaylin. on the payroll. <laughs> uh, this question comes from Twitter, and uh, let me make sure I've got it right. It's Corey Bloom at Corey Bloom 44 He says, does Kalen King end up replacing Tariq Castro-Fields? Fields just seems to be a step or two slow. Uh, Nate? You I know what you think. Yeah, I know <laughs> what you think. No, tell me, what do I think? Tell me what I think. I think, I think that you agree that he has not had a great start to the season. I think personally, I'm going to take my, right? Like if the question is, will he be replaced? That demands a person who controls the roster to make that decision. Right. And the only thing that I hear from the person and people who make that decision in terms of interviews is love for Tariq Castro Fields. Like yeah. He's, he, yeah. he just, he just, he just has a ton of respect. Um, you know, there are situations that I can compare it to through the years, um, you know, that come to mind of players who might not give you everything that the backup gives you, right? Backup in quotes, right. Gives you in terms of athleticism, but there are other things that other ingredients that, are necessary that you you value and you place a priority on right it's coaching is a juggling act that's that's right. always you're always making trades um between skill and intangibles and in this case i i don't see that happening um to three caster fields like I, I just i don't i don't see that decision being made so i will say this I'm going to say it. Kalen King will replace Tariq Castro-Fields. Oh, my goodness. In 2022, once Tariq Castro-Fields oh. graduates. Yeah. Uh, there's no way for everything you just said. First off, it's a true freshman and a fifth-year senior. Like You're not doing that unless there is an obvious reason to protect a player. Because Tariq Castro-Fields, from a maturity standpoint... And from a knowledge of the defense standpoint, from a leadership standpoint, from all of those things that you just talked about, all the intangible things, you're not removing him. Also, he's not playing great, but he's not playing terribly. Like, he might be, at this point, the weak link in the secondary. Now, let's just take a look at the, at the actual numbers here. So, this is Tariq Castrofields through the first three weeks of the season. Uh, the first game, yes, season high in yards allowed and passer rating against Wisconsin. Uh, he gave up zero catches in week two. And then last week, and this is where I think it's the most misleading, is seven targets and only two catches. Because this is this is where in on national TV, he got turned around on a couple of double moves. It's three games. It's three games. And, and I, I think that we saw John Reed struggle a little bit when he came back from injury in 2019, I want to say it was. Um, and I don't... I don't even know what sort of injury it was for Tariq Castro-Fields last year, but he's battled through a lot of different things. You're going to give this guy time to play out of it. That's just that's the bottom line. You're going to give him time to play out of it. And like I said, he's not playing poorly. This is where, when we talked about seeing Kalen King in more situations going forward in games where you don't feel like you have to throw your fastball, 
you're going to see Kalen King more on the field, but don't misconstrue what that is. Right now, the Penn State defense has played 256 snaps. Tariq Castrofields has played 209 of them. And that includes a Ball State game where the fourth quarter wasn't a game anymore. It was a scrimmage. So, Tariq Castrofields, to your point, the staff trusts him. They need him out there. But yep. in games going forward where they want to see more from Kalen King, they want to give him a chance to grow into that role to eventually be that guy. That's where you're going to see him a little bit more. So don't misconstrue what's happening for, you know, just trying to get guys practice and, and get into the normal flow of what they would do because they don't want Tariq out there for 209 snaps. They want more depth. They want to play more guys. That's always been a tenant of James Franklin's uh, philosophy in playing everybody on the roster if you can. So, no. Tariq Castrofields by the end of the season will not be replaced by Kalen King. Kalen King's role will grow by virtue of the situation and naturally. Our next question comes from Beaverman72. Interesting names. I love these. But, you know, mm. keep, keep them coming if you want uh, your questions here on the daily. Uh, we'll get to those throughout the week. Through three games, PSU has three sacks. And he says, and I love how smart the audience is for this show. Well, the number of sacks don't tell the whole story, should we be concerned? Do you expect anyone to break out in this category? Nate, as always, as the guest, I'll let you go first. Yeah, so my my uh, instinctive reaction is to say Arnold Ebichetti had a officials review, was an officials review at Wisconsin away from a strip sack fumble on Graham Mertz that was overruled as a pass, right? So yep. yep. That was that was so close, uh, and then Bo Nix should have been by the rule was sacked by Ellis Brooks when he threw the intentional grounding yep. that was not ruled an intentional grounding, even though it very obviously was intentional grounding. Um, so there's two, right? So now you're at five. Yep. <laughs> so uh, like, and yeah, I'm being a little flippant about that, but it's it's true. The Penn State last year, and you can speak uh, so much more eloquently about this. Um, last year, even before the start of the season, Brent Pry said effectively, again, I'm paraphrasing, that they were shifting their focus uh, from these huge sack numbers. Penn State, it was, what was it? five years in a row with yep. 40 sacks or more, or, yep. you know, whatever, whatever the stat was, it was impressive. And they were finishing in the top 10, top five yep. nationally in team sacks every single year. And he came out and said more or less, yeah, there are, there's, that's a good thing. Love sacks. want to keep having sacks. Those are game changing plays and, and they can do a lot for you defensively and for your team, but also they create some vulnerabilities that we're not comfortable with. And, yeah. and that's, and that's kind of the deal is I think that the, the pure number is less important than when they happen mm -hmm. and how they happen. It, yes. If, if those, if those elements are there where like it, if you just don't see a pass rush and there's no, and the quarterback's not uncomfortable, made uncomfortable through the course of the game, then yeah, now you've got a problem. Now you've got an, an issue with uh, your push uh, up front yeah. and whatever blitz schemes you're dialing up. All, all of those, I mean, those, those have always been important to Brent Pry to have pressure coming from the second level and the third level. Um, so, yeah, is, is the number maybe less than Penn State could have or would like to have? Sure. But I, I think that if you look at the totality of what this defense has done so far this season – it is right in line. James Franklin talked about it on Wednesday night. It is right in line with what they do a good job of. He, I mean, he, he actually said it. He said, yeah. uh, Ben, but don't break. <laughs> that's right. it. That's, right. that's the defense. Penn State's defense is Ben, but don't break. So, and they're doing a, a good job of that. Let me get to... I'm gonna be I'm gonna be a jerk here, and I'm gonna say yes, you should be concerned, but no, you shouldn't. Because let me tell you mm. what's happening on the field. So this is this is really what's happening 
to the Penn State pass rush, which has been a historic, as you mentioned, historically has been very good. These are the numbers of the Penn State uh, opponents when they throw the football according to PFF. So you have Graham Mertz, who had <laughs> the longest time to throw, which is still less than the average of 2.5 seconds. Drew Plitt got the ball out in 2.21 seconds, which is catch and throw. And Bo Nix was right behind him. So the the teams that they've played are scared of the Penn State pressure packages. And, they, you know, they should be. That is That has been the narrative against this defense for a long time. So, as, and again, as you can see, the one time that the, the team tried to throw the ball down the field more, tried to play action, get some more deeper shots, Penn State had their most sacks and their highest amount of pressure in any given game. So that is the good part. That is the part that, no, you shouldn't be concerned because teams are scared and they are designing their offenses to avoid the pass rush. That being said, outside of Arnold Ebikidi, totally ruining Tyler Beach's day uh, in that game versus Wisconsin. Seven pressures from the left tackle position. There wasn't a lot of interior push, and that other defensive end position is still a bit of a problem. Penn State is relying a lot on the blitzes and schemed up pressure, which is a good thing, but eventually you want to have, if you need to, just rush four and get home. And Arnold Ebikidi yep. right now is the only guy that's consistently getting pressure. And that's what we talked about at the beginning of the season is we don't know if Adisa Isaac is going to be the leader on this team when it comes to a pass rush sense. We don't know if he's going to break out and have a monster season. What we do know is he's got the skill set to do it. And right now, Penn State doesn't have another guy in the rotation that has those skills. Now, there's a couple younger guys that are very talented. But we haven't seen Smith-Vilbert take a ton of snaps at this point to begin with. And we have not seen any of the, the freshmen or the redshirt freshmen in that sense. So, yes, you should be concerned against teams with good offensive lines. And and I'm going to reserve judgment on Tyler Beach till I see him against a couple other teams because they didn't play week three. But right now, he didn't look like he was a very good tackle. And that was an average Auburn offensive line. So... Going into big games, when you, I'll just say it, Thayer Mumford. If he, if Arnold Ebikidi can't beat Thayer Mumford, then you do have a problem when it comes to the pass rush. So keep an eye on it. That's a that's a good question, but it's something to keep your eye on. But as as it as as the sack number is at right at this point, that's probably not the worst thing in the world because effectively they're shortening the game for the defense. And that's, that to me is the biggest thing is that the secondary is producing at that level and they're getting enough pressure to make plays on the ball. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, uh, <laughs> I know I talked yeah, for like I, six minutes there, so I, I probably caught you off guard. <laughs> no, no, I just, you know, you summed it all up. I, I mean, it was the first question that, that James Franklin answered last night uh, about, I don't actually know what the question was, but his answer was about the, the pass rush. And his response was basically, Epiketti's been good. Yeah. He, he, is, a, he is a splash play guy. So yes. yep. you're, you're getting some great and you're getting some, eh, right? Like, but yep. you take that for the great. And so... Uh, Abiketti's been that, and then and then again, like they don't have the guy who they thought they were going to ha have, right? Adisa Isaac completely yeah. changes the complexion of what that position is. So now you're asking Jesse Lucetta and Nick Tarburton, who, right? Like Franklin talked about it last night. He said he said Tarburton it has been good against the run. Yep, they would like him to be more disruptive in the pass game. So this is, the, this is the one hope I would say is that I think Jesse Lucchetta has the physical abilities to be just like Arnold Ebikidi as a pass rusher. He's just been doing it for five minutes. So that's yeah. the biggest difference is he's got the hand usage. He's got super long arms. Now that he's playing on the defensive line, all of those skills show up. You know, I never really noticed just as a tackler how long his arms were until he's defeating blocks and getting into the backfield. He's got lightning quick reflexes. He just needs to learn how to play with body control through the contact as a pass rusher. And that would be, I think, if you're a Penn State fan, to me, that's your best hope of who's the next guy will be that Jesse Lucchetta translates some of those run defense skills into the pass rush. 
And and I think I think that there's an element there. There always is this element, but it's particularly true of a guy who changes positions like this. Is yes, the, can he physically do it? Yeah. yeah, and it might actually be his most natural position. It, it might be where he belongs. However, having not had those endless, 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 endless reps, yep, it's there are. Tricks feels like the wrong word, but I think it's the right word. They're just tricks that these guys have, <laughs> and yeah. you got to learn them. You got you don't you got to know what the offensive right like. What does an offensive tackle do to you? And yep. you, how do you read what takes, he's doing? Right, correct. It, and and those are things that Jesse Lucetta has not had to do before. And those are right. That's a that's a a toolbox that he hasn't he has access to, but he's never used it. And yep. so yep. Uh, until until he gets those reps and gets that experience, there are going to be some times where I, I do think that he's going to have some challenges against particularly opponents who have a lot more experience. Yeah. Got, got, just guys, just vet, veterans who have been through it and know what to look for and know how to play him. Um, I, I think that's going to be a tougher draw for him. He's he's not going to out athlete a ton of guys because you know I guess the, the good the good offensive lineman he's not going to just out athlete those guys. He's got to be able to win with positional skills. Speaking of the offensive yep. line, I want to get to that to wrap up today's show. But before that, BlueWhiteIllustrated.com for the latest Penn State football and recruiting news. Join us inside the Lions Den for premium forum access to our insider information, especially if you're into. Hearing all of Nate's unedited thoughts about what he saw, heard, and what he is observing at practice on Wednesdays, or Ryan Snyder's recruiting information that he gets and he gives only to the premium members, so it keeps keeps it a little private. Share some stuff mm-hmm. if you're in a, in, a, in a private room with your close friends as opposed to just blasting it on the internet. So those are the values you can get from being a premium member and subscribing to Blue White Illustrated. Also, the October issue is on newsstands and features Penn State's Freaks List, among other exclusive content. Learn more at bluewhiteonline.com or by calling customer service 800-421-7751. And of course, subscribe to our YouTube page where you're watching right now, hopefully, youtube.com backslash Illustrated. And don't stop there. Tell your friends. Let's do this. Let's get people on the page so that we get some good interaction. We get some more questions that are smart, like we got from Beaverman72. I'm a, Thanks, Beaverman. I'm a, is he half man, half beaver, or is he a fan of Beaver Stadium? Because I'm imagining a, like a beaver with, with opposable thumbs typing and then going out and like doing yard work. That's what sure. I really want. That's who, who I want to he be just, a fan of this show. Yeah, he really likes... Animals that can build dams. That's is he going to have to? Is he going to have to change his username if Penn State gets a new stadium and they rename it after what? Whoever donates a billion dollars. No, I mean, listen. There's James Beaver, governor of Pennsylvania in 1492, will <laughs> eternally <laughs> be part of Beaver Man's mo. That's just that's how he operates. That's how yeah. he rolls. That's what he is. So I want to finish up here, not by talking about uh, anthropomorphic Twitter users, but sure. by uh, talking about the Penn State offensive line and the running game, which has been a consternation for Penn State football fans. You know, I, on my film analysis I did this week, the only thing people wanted to talk about was the offensive line. What are the problems? How do you fix them? Where's the help coming from? One thing I've noticed, and it stuck out to me watching Villanova uh, today, Penn State has played th- four three down fronts to start the season with a nose tackle and defensive ends, you know, classic three, four front. Uh, that, that was a rarity five years ago. They practice against a four down front. Villanova is coming in with a similar situation to what ball state did. I I'm, I'm wondering, and I'd love to ask James Franklin this. I get one question though. So I use it sparingly. Is this a trend in college football? Is this something that we're going to see more of as teams try to defend the pass and play RPOs? Or is this just a, an anomaly that you played Wisconsin and Auburn and you need to, you know, you just, that's the luck of the draw because that I think is playing into how Penn state is blocking against the run from what you've seen of that unit and what you've heard and what you've talked about. What are your impressions of, is that, is that going to get a little more consistent as the season goes on? Or is that kind of what you're working with, with the offensive line? 
it's 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 kind of funny to me because the the initial impression within the media without going back and watching the film was that they had a pretty good night on Saturday, <laughs> right? Like, yeah, uh, that was that was kind of the takeaway was oh, like Sean Clifford is has a month and a half to throw the football, and yeah. so like, and again, like we're we're not living the game the way that eighty hour a week coaches do but yeah like if 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 you can provide that level of protection and your quarterback's not give, getting sacked then i think that the 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 cursory assessment is going to be that the offensive line did its job right however however yeah do you want to see bigger holes for the running backs no doubt no, no doubt like that's that is something that i think there are some questions about that left guard spot still that are, have not been resolved, yeah. um, and and how they how they proceed. I mean, I I have not gotten the impression so far that there is any realistic like reason to believe that they're going to shuffle that at all. Right? I mean, yeah. Mike Miranda is yeah. a guy who's played guard and maybe could shift back, maybe. But like, what what does that do for you other than moving Juice Scruggs? Does does having Scruggs at center instead of right guard help you? Like, yeah. what it, it it sounds to me like you're just you're shuffling pieces. You're, you're shuffling pieces that are already playing. So maybe maybe Bryce Effner is the the answer there. Is it Eric Wilson? I you know I'm not. It would it would obviously sure. be it'd be much easier just to insert somebody into that position and have that fix the issue. However. You know, this is what I tried to say before the season, and I, I, I don't want to always come off as like I told you so, guy. But Juice Scruggs played less than 100 snaps in his career. Now, he looked great, but just like Graham Mertz, don't take everything against Illinois as gospel, especially in 2020. So he's struggled this year at that right guard position. Is that the best fit for him? You know, is he better as one of those mobile blocking centers in his own blocking scheme where he's not going to be a dominant blocker, but he gets those seal blocks, he reaches, positionally he gets in place to block people, and then you have somebody else blowing open the holes. I think the reality is the interior of this offensive line, and this is why I, I'm kind of bring up that they played three, I'm sorry, this will be the fourth, three down front, is you've got those bigger, stronger bodies in there. You're not going quickness on quickness. So... Is that a part of the? Is that a part of it? Are they going to get better over time? I, I just I don't know because I thought Eric Wilson. As far as this is this is in the end, this is what I think. I would rather have the best pass blocking unit on the field, whatever that combination is. If that means you suffer a little bit in the running game, then I don't care. Have your quarterback have time kept clean because a lot of the running game is done through bubble screens anyway. So just don't give up hits, don't give up sacks, find a way to have a clean pocket, and you can you can eke out a run game. Is it perfect? Yep. Is it what you want? No. But if John Lovett can rip off some big runs and Kevon Lee can keep his head on straight and not try so damn hard, you might have a running game that can create above the offensive line. And I by the way, I love the effort from Kevon Lee. It's just it's just the little things right now. He's he's obviously pressing. And that's going to be something that hopefully for him, he resolves because he is by far the strongest runner of that group with with maybe enough speed that once he breaks a couple tackles, he can get some big runs. But they need to get some of that more so than you're not fixing this offensive line and making them all 325 and move like all pro or all Big Ten guards. I, I, th I think to your point, there's a tendency, and this is just fandom in general. There's a tendency to fixate on what you don't have. Yep. Rather than appreciating not only what you do have, but what wins games. Yep. Guess what wins games in college football? It's not a plotting rushing attack. No. It's not. Nope. It's not. And so uh, if you have to make a trade, if you have to sacrifice a little bit in one area to succeed in another, I, I think that if 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 this Penn State offensive line protects Sean Clifford the way that it did Saturday night, passing the football, they will take that all the time. Yep. They will they will happily live with that because 
they can do first of all the resources that it takes to to stop the run are significant as it is um but that creates opportunities in the passing game that when given the opportunity when given the time to throw the ball and to do so without that constant pressure he will deliver yep they will deliver Jahan Dotson is going to catch that pass right Parker Washington yep. is going to catch that pass right, right? like that's pretty much uh, anything the tight end yeah tight ends and, and and the running backs out of the backfield it's the same it's the same thing like they will they will catch the ball and they will they will do something with it if they're given the opportunity in space we were watching practice yesterday, and and while we were waiting for someone to speak, I, I heard a noise behind me. And do you remember Mike Kosicki used to practice blocking on the sleds behind us every day on Wednesday at practice? Uh, and and I, I had a shades of that watching Parker Washington on one hand uh, on one knee catching balls with one hand. So like yep. that's the that's the level of talent. That's the level of of uh, skill that I think the offensive skill positions are bringing to the table. So you're ab- you're absolutely right about that. Any last thoughts that we wrap up here on the BWI Daily? I just want to say that that those sticky gloves really help. You know, <laughs> they do. It's not. <laughs> He's not catching those with his bare hands, guys. Come on. <laughs> that uh, is no, but to, to, interestingly, you noticed that, and I noticed on the other end of the field, Jaquan Brisker <laughs> catching balls that were thrown off a wall. Did you see that? No, I didn't. I so, heard it. I heard all the noises. So, I didn't see it though. So he he had a GA with him, uh, and they were standing up against the wall. He he might have been three feet off the wall, and so it, I mean, I'm I'm assuming that the intent is to replicate a tipped ball, yeah. right? Just catching it coming from, and, right? You're and, following the ball. And, and immediate reaction time. Maybe you're not looking and all of a sudden you've got to just got to go grab it. Yep. And yeah. so that, and so that was the deal. And you know, cause uh, you can't predict the bounce that a football is going to take off of a wall. So, yeah. uh, so that was, that was what he was working on, but Hey, there's two guys who, yeah, not, not only are they doing it on the field, everybody acts like, uh, everybody acts like, talent takes you places and it does but talent maximized by preparation is who these guys really are like when when you get to that level and then you're also adding all of those extra reps that they do at the end of practice or before practice first guy right like it's always like a badge of honor first guy on the field or whatever but like no that actually pays dividends and those the 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 ones who do that often are the ones who who will show up in the stat line at the end of the game the most. Yeah, and, and that's why coaches are always harping on working and putting in the work because if they are at a Power 5 school, if they're at a place like Penn State, you already know they have the talent. That's why they're there. Uh, speaking of talent, Nate Bauer, thank you for coming on the show today. Always enjoy our time here on the BWI Daily Edition. Thanks so much for having me, T. Frank. Let's do it again. We will, and we're coming back tomorrow. Ryan Snyder's best bets, of course, recruiting is blowing up right now after the whiteout game. We'll have more of that information right here on the BWI Daily Edition. Subscribe wherever you get your podcasts and to YouTube.